0: the page get it out of
1: your head the page
2: get it out of your head and the page welcome to on the page this is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting my name is Pilar Alessandra and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at on the page joining me today are three guests they are three story analysts which means that they read scripts and they analyze them for major production companies and studios. We have first Mark Chandley, who currently reads for HBO, Red Ampersand, and New Oh, sorry, NYC Midnight, Orange Entertainment. Right, right, and also serves as a writer's assistant to Roger Wolfson, who wrote for shows such as Law and Order, SVU, and Saving Grace, and The Closer. Yes. Welcome, Mark. Hi, Paula. We also have Holly Sklar, who is a veteran story analyst in her 17th year at Warner Brothers Pictures. She previously worked as a development executive at the Ladd Company and has been a story analyst for Disney and MGM, as well as a freelance story analyst at various movie and TV companies around town. Hello. Nice to be here. Then we have Daniel Livnat. Did I say that right?
1: Yeah, Livnat. Yeah.
2: Um He has been a story analyst for almost five years. He's currently reading for HBO, U, U, UTA, otherwise known as United Talent Agency, Skydance, Imagine Entertainment's Impact Program, and has read for various other production companies and agencies. Thank you for being here, Daniel.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: Oh, this is exciting. <laughs> All this power. <laughs> Around one table. Ah. Now, I, you know, that's my background too. I was a story analyst uh, for years and years, longer than I'd like to admit. Um, so I know what you guys do. But uh, why don't you tell people who are listening what you do? Like, what is your job? And maybe your job entails different things depending on who you're working for. So uh, why don't you just jump in with a little description?
0: yeah um sure so the way I kind of like to explain story analyst and sometimes you'll hear us called script readers or read or just readers kind of just depends on where the person is working um, is that we're essentially Hollywood's gatekeepers um, you have to understand that like at any point in time there's like thousands of scripts flowing through the system um, books as well so and you always hear that like ninety percent of those scripts aren't good, so it's our job to kind of sift through. Um, all the different scripts and books out there, and find the diamonds in the rough um, because the executives aren't going to be reading those scripts unless you're like Aaron Sorkin or <laughs> um, you know any big name writer. Mm-hmm. so, um yeah, so we're sorting through that. and you know the basics of script coverages is we're basically doing a we're we're doing what's called a coverage, and it's basically a one to two sentence log line, which is kind of like a summation of like the story we're doing. Uh, one to three pages of synopsis which is capturing all those story beats and then we're going to do anywhere from like a half a page to a page of analysis which is just like the strengths and the weaknesses of the script in terms of different criteria such as structure and plot and character and so on and that's basically the general gist of it it can differ depending on where you're at I know that Holly does <coughs> other kinds of coverages with Warner Brothers so she can probably talk about that
3: Yeah, we do all the things that you so succinctly uh, explain. Great coverage on doing coverage. Um, (laughs) But in addition, we do what they call project coverage, but it's really creative story notes. Um, What we do is we compare drafts of projects that are in development. This is in addition to everything that, that Mark pointed out from stuff just coming in. So once they've bought or optioned material and have screenplays being written, every official draft will come through the story department And one of us will get assigned, and there are 12 of us, pretty much one for every creative executive at the studio. And we will compare the drafts and make a a list of all the changes, a a new synopsis, and then we will uh, basically evaluate the status of the project and talk about what's working, what's improved, what needs work, and why, and have to support that. And those notes are incredibly useful then for the executives to go into both their own creative meeting on staff and then... When they have the writer and if there's a director attached or producer, when they have those people in to talk about the script and its evolution, where they want it to go, they make use of what we write. So we do a lot of that. We also do legal comparisons mm-hmm. um, when someone is doing, suing the studio or the studio wants to sue someone. <laughs> and we also uh, help with uh, preliminary good faith writing credit determinations uh, that will then be submitted to the Writers Guild on, on each movie that they're putting out. You're,
2: you're taking me back. Yes. You know, when I worked at DreamWorks, um, coverage plus all the things that you just said were what I had to do as well. And some of this just making me go like, oh my God,
3: comparison coverage. <laughs> uh, <yes. laughs> Comparisons to, take a long oh time. Yeah, this.
2: <laughs> um, so so um, Daniel, um, does any of this, does it all line up with what you do as well?
1: Um, less than what um, Holly said, more like, With Mark, um, Mm -hmm. for example, for UTA, Mm -hmm. it's more like looking for writers Mm -hmm. because it's agents. So agents, Mm -hmm. you know, they send scripts that they get and then send to the development coordinator and we get it. We have a bunch. I think we're like 20 readers at Mm -hmm. UTA. And uh, we just look at, uh, sometimes it's projects for development or projects are in development, but usually it's like, okay, is this writer, you know, should we represent him or her? Um, is there any voice here? Is there any vibrant voice that you know we think it's unique? If if the story's not that great, you know if there's something in here. So that's the specific coverage UTA. For the rest of them, for like uh, Skydance, HBO, it's pretty much the same. They're looking for a project to uh, you know uh, acquire or develop from books and stuff like that. So I would say it's pretty much. So let,
2: right. let's let's stay on on a writer's voice for a second, because especially <clears throat> when you're reading for a big agency like yeah. UTA. Like you said, it's about voice. It's about you know. Not only can this thing, it's it's not so much about will the project sell as can we sell the writer because that mm-hmm. writer, based on this sample, could then go in and get rewrite jobs yeah. or um, take an existing IP that they own exactly. and do exactly. an adaptation. So mm-hmm. voice is really important. Um, yeah. So as somebody who's evaluating material toward that end. What jumps out at you? How how do you? I would how do you say get there? most
1: like probably every reader has a different you know set of um, criteria. It's like what makes that writer different. But I would say for me, it's dialogue, character, a point of view, um, you know, a fresh take on a premise that we've mm-hmm. seen many times before. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know being unique. And I know it's kind of a cliche to say okay, you be unique or you know and stuff like that. But it's really you know just. Take time to develop your craft because I actually read a lot of established writers too. That I say I can't believe this is this guy. You know, it's actually named that I know it's here is represented or he's represented, and I say it really. You know, and I look them up and I see their credentials. They actually some of them have movies produced, but I you know okay. But for young writers, they don't have that. They don't have the resume of movies, so they can't afford to have like a, you know. Um, bland dialogue or like a weak premise they can't they,
2: get lazy they can't lean you on you can't get tropes. lazy you
1: can't get lazy you yeah. really can Yeah. it's the liked, most important thing
2: I liked what you said about a fresh take too like You you guys, as readers, right? We we are reading similar things over and over again, but you know what keeps a a reader invested is because every once in a while you get a fresh take on this old trope, or um, sort of just a different, like you said, a different point of view. So if you can make something we do know fresh, that's even better than
3: just reinventing the wheel. And I want to point out that this will will give hope to a lot of the writers that are listening. that the creative group at Warner Brothers, as part of their weekend read, the executives have to uh, take turns submitting the work of a new writer, and it's our job as well to do. We call them writing uh, quality of writing coverages. So the the whole group will read those scripts as well because they're looking to fill assignments. So they're not just looking to establish writers for every assignment, even at the studio, and they want to be aware of people up and coming in the marketplace. And uniqueness and voice are key to that. Um, I see a lot of scripts by young writers that are imitating. Movies that they've seen, yes.
1: Shane Black. A lot of people try to imitate Shane Black's Still, writing, for isn't example. So is I just read it a few days ago. God, mm-hmm.
2: you said you, you think it's bad now. You should have seen it in the <laughs> '90s after <laughs> yes. legal, oh God, *Legal*. I everyone was imitating. Oh my God! <laughs> you know, capitals and you yeah. know, and just like a lot of inside stuff to the to the yeah. reader
3: and stuff, which can be fun, but it's exhausting. And yeah. people, by the way, credit Shane Black for that, but it was actually William Goldman in *Butch Cassidy and the Sundance sc- uh, Kids* screenplay where he first addressed the person reading the script. Interesting, i I found that out because Aaron Sorkin just hosted an evening at the Writers Guild, paying tribute to William Goldman, and we watched uh, Butch Cassidy again. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, and so he a, mar- a, remarked on that it's incredibly influential, and the, it's nothing wrong with doing that. Right,
2: right. It's it's a, a fantastic style. That's why everybody imitates it. But it's somebody else's style. It's somebody yeah, else's yeah, style. Exactly. Yeah,
3: and I think. Freshness of voice and having something to say, having a point of view are so important. That's so much of what you're looking for when you're reading a script. And the other thing is, I would say, is emotional engagement. Yes. I read so many scripts by young writers where they think they have a cool concept and they think that's enough to get their work sold. And it's not the case if you're not involved in and invested in the characters. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to like the characters. People confuse likability with, yeah. with, with rooting interest. But you have to have some sort of rooting interest. Even even Tony Soprano, we had a rooting interest in some ways, even though he was not a sympathetic character. Uh, so they have to be compelling, and we have to have some kind of emotional hook. Even in a comedy, I was just uh, watching uh, Game Night with my kids, which is a new line comedy from last year. And even in that movie, the the Jason Bateman character has an arc. He has a relationship with his brother that's screwed up. And since childhood, he's always been trying to compete with his brother. And the movie is about that relationship as much as it's about all of the Game game Night shenanigans that they get
2: into. So even if you think that that competition at first is petty you recognize it as something perhaps, oh yeah, I I had a petty competition with somebody, or the idea of feeling jealous of a sibling. It's universal. Right, so even if you feel in that moment like, huh, well, he really has to learn from that, right? At least you get his point of view, and like you said, that's the rooting interest. And yeah, it's fun to watch him sort of have to eventually get to another place with it. And and getting to
3: another place with it is the other key. Mm-hmm. is that it, rooting interest is important, but character transformation is huge. And a lot of writers, again, miss that. Mm-hmm. It, it, I can think of no better template than The Grinch or A Christmas Carol or It's a Wonderful Life. They all kind Scrooge. of have a very similar arc or, or Groundhog <laughs> Day with Bill Murray. These are yes. stories about people that have something that is a, a real flaw that they have to work through. And the story, if it's crafted well enough, forces that character to get put through their paces to learn a lesson and come out of it the other end a better person. And I think the main reason a lot of us still go to the movies, whether we realize it or not, is hope and the ability of people to change. So I'm looking for scripts that make me feel that and take me through that journey.
2: Now, you guys, uh, Mark and uh, Daniel, you both currently read for HBO. Yes. Okay. Now, uh, you know, my background is is in... Reading and analyzing features because back in the day it was like, oh, TV, oh, pa, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now I would imagine for HBO you're reading both TV and feature, or are you reading? I mean, for
0: HBO, we're just reading
2: books. You're just reading books. Yes. Interesting. Uh, so are these books that ha- all you're are you acquiring them even before they're published? Like I've worked for companies that yeah. that were yeah, looking sometimes. at them in the manuscript form. I've just read a couple of books
0: that uh, you know they're not going to be released for a couple months, and mm-hmm. I just read one a couple of days ago that's not going to be released until like August of this year. So yeah, um, HBO's development team is out there actively acquiring new talent, uh, new material before it even hits the shelf sometimes.
3: Same with Warner Brothers. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. We have book scouts that send us stuff, and we're reading uh, even little blurbs on books two years before sometimes there's a long lead in publishing. And we also look at plays Mm -hmm. and magazine articles. Right, right. Sometimes, uh, you know, something can get lifted off the front page of the LA Times or a series that they do and then, you know, it becomes a series. Um, I think Dirty John went from radio and podcast uh, to a television show. Um, So Warner Brothers does that a lot. LA Confidential, I think, was a movie that... Or not LA Confidential, it was another film that uh, was similar to that. That was taken in a series that the L.A. Times did on organized crime back in the '40s in L.A.
2: Now the thing about about books and you know if you're a script reader you you are moving through these books quickly. Um, I I don't know if I if if you guys agree, but I know when I was reading books, it was I'm reading them for plot. I. If if I was reading them for quality of writing, right, it would take me forever because I'd be like lovingly sort of involved in every word, right. But mm-hmm. you're reading them for plot points. But yeah. in your case, for for HBO, are you also trying to figure out how the series might develop over time, or are you looking at it in terms of movie development? How how what are they? Asking yeah, for you HBO,
0: for? we're really looking for. Things that are adaptable for TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've noticed, all of HBO's biggest properties over the last kind of like few years yeah. have all been big TV series Game of Thrones, uh, Sharp Bob Dracks, uh,
1: Westworld. Even World. Westworld was
0: a book, I mean, yeah. it was a movie. And- but they're all
2: based Before on the book, yeah. So also characters, of course, because you've yeah. got to take these characters and really just mine them over over the course of so so it actually makes you a little bit more of a development executive than your typical reader <laughs> because you're the one who's gotta say, yeah, it could be a TV show and this is how mm-hmm. with with book coverage, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I would agree. Um, I agree. Yeah. What I agree. do you
2: what do you guys do? Because there are and and uh, Holly as well, because you also read books, there are listeners who might even want to adapt a book, okay? And they don't know where to begin. But as somebody who's analyzing books for adaptation, what are you looking for as sort of markers for how this TV show might develop this TV series?
0: Um, well, I have a general piece of advice and it also kind of piggybacks off what we were talking about character because as you know, like TV is all about character. That's why we come back to watch TV week after week is yep. for character. So it's very hard um, to recommend something if you have to take this, you know, 400 page journey with a character that you don't care about. So I think that, you know, uh, I need to be feeling something and I want to be feeling for the character and feeling for his or her journey. Um, that's the most important thing for me. So I think, you know, it's very important for books and scripts.
3: hmm. I think a world is also important, uh, if, if especially whether for, for shows, s- especially for shows, yeah. but even for film, because at Warner Brothers we're often in a franchise business and we're looking for the next franchise, and that could be Crazy Rich Asians, right? It doesn't have to be Harry Potter, yeah. Uh, but that's basically a, a book that because it's a series has a whole world that we visit, and that's an enticing. Aspirational world for people to visit. I think sometimes for TV, you want to make sure that there's richness in the world and that it's a world you can believe in.
0: I agree.
1: Yes, I agree. Um, for for Skydance, for example, they send me a lot of fantasy, sci fi, and I agree completely because even though some of them are from established writers, the world is just not unique or not engaging, and we've seen it before. So, again, you need that twist, you need that fresh take. You said, um, what about writers who want to adapt books? I would say only, of course, only adapt uh, books that are in public domain, Mm -hmm. of course. Mm Yeah. And there's plenty of that. And if you're uh, adapting your own book, again, take the time to learn how to adapt. Because sometimes you get a script, it's like 130 pages, and it's almost like a book from everything from Ash, Um, sorry action description, the dialogue is endless, take the time to learn how do I, uh, you know, it's a d- complete different medium. Take the time to learn how to adapt uh, the, your story that you have into, you know, you okay, you wrote a book, it's very good, you have it on, you know, self-publish even, maybe take the time to learn how to uh, translate it into a script, into a pilot, it doesn't matter, it's really important because you can't have the same plot, you know, beats, even some characters have to go, you know, Lord of the Rings, they cut up, you know, they cut away half of them, almost right,
2: because that's that's a, <clears throat> you have a, a movie exactly, and you are choosing what story. Yeah. And if you're doing a TV show, you have to sort of look at the path of the characters exactly. and the stories that could develop. There may actually not be enough story for the characters as yeah. far as like developing it into a TV show. Again, I would imagine, like
0: they what they like finished the, the new season is like past the book by now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> same thing with like yeah, the they couldn't wait like for, for him anymore. Or, or, so. The Walking Dead just has, like, you know, endless amounts of content because they keep going with the comic book, but, you know.
3: I do think that uh, executives have a certain uh, feeling of security when something is adapted from pre-published successful material. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard to get just public domain and it, it's hard for yeah. a new, young writer newer, or a newer writer to get the rights to something, although sometimes it's worth pursuing anyway. You know, right there's now. a lot
0: of books and different properties that just released on through public domain I think this year from a whole bunch of stuff from like the 20s or 30s. So if you're interested in oh, I and see, adapting I saw you something. posted
1: an article about it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Cool. Uh, there's yeah. like tons. So yeah, yeah, they're out there.
2: There's bet, a lot of
0: stuff to be mindful.
2: That's cool to go back to you know the 20s and 30s. Yeah. You know what I mean? everybody thinks, oh, I just want the coolest thing I just read right now. And it's like, no, you and everybody else, they already have the rights to it. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we've talked a little bit about, you know, looking at books, and we've talked a little bit about characters. But when it all comes down to it, if you're reviewing a movie script for a company that's thinking about making it, it's idea. It's idea and story. Mm -hmm. So what is it that grabs you uh, when you're reading something solely for it to be made into a feature film, um, it doesn't have an existing IP.
1: Tough question. Yeah, not, not
2: tough question, but uh,
1: well, okay, I, I'll give an example. I just a few days ago, mm-hmm. I read um, it's it's like a slasher script. It's like a slasher with teens, and there's like a serial killer and everything. But the serial killer is in a Prius. You never see him. <laughs> you never see him. It's amazing. It's a short script. It's sure it was like eighty something pages. You never see him. You know, he kills them one by one, and there's two. You know, a guy and a girl that survived. and then the the entire movie, the serial killer is in Asprius The Prius kills them one by one, and you know, it was I think it was a you know a couple of writers they wrote it together, and that's what I'm looking for. Maybe that script wouldn't get produced. Maybe it will get produced, but. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, what else do they have? And I read that actually for a company that looked... That it's a gaming company. Mm-hmm. And they have a really... Um, they have a major IP. Um, and they're looking for writers. They don't care about if it's going to be uh, produced or not. They want to they look for writers. Mm-hmm. Tell me if that writer... Maybe could they develop our IP, our characters, and our world? They have a very like, rich fantasy world. Could they develop it into um, movies and shows? So they're looking specifically for voice for and that's the voice that was it you know and then i said well the characters wasn't they weren't that great so i rolled in the coverage you know characters are okay but there is something here there's a really new take so let's see what else do they have maybe they're not again you don't have, maybe if you're not that great you the, the reader will say okay interesting there's something here what else okay, let's see what else mm-hmm. and i think agents look for that too like if they have you know More stuff.
3: You know, I think uh, one of the ideas that I read recently that uh, I really enjoyed was about a a house that was one of these super smart houses,
1: Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) but then began killing the occupants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think everyone thought, you know, that that's it's kind of a B movie. But sometimes yep. B-movie ideas can be given a treatment. I think A Quiet Place is an example of that, for instance. Yes. Well, it speaks it's to great. our
2: biggest fears, right? A lot of us think, not okay... not safe in your home. Right. And, and and you know, the trepidation with new technology. Exactly. And this sounds great, but I don't know about it. It's untested, right? So if you go, yeah, it's untested, and you sort of double down on that fear, you've got a, a horror movie. Mm-hmm.
3: Exactly. and And it's contemporary. Nobody's done that before. Well, that's what I thought. And then, of course, several months later, I read another script... <laughs> <laughs> with an intelligent house as uh, Every, one of the protagonists. So many people are thinking about so, it. I actually, read one too, but it was like a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's making the rounds. But when I first read it, I thought that that's cool because, <laughs> as you said, it struck that chord about a primal fear that mm-hmm. we can relate to. So I, I think that, that safety in your own home not being a given and, and technology and fears about new technology. And there's always that, also, that fear since 2001 or even before then about you know War of the Worlds and... Any science fiction movie that has to do with technology, you know, Jurassic Park, um, those are fears that we're all going with. Mm -hmm. Great movie.
0: Um, I really like scripts that are just doing something different with the medium. Um, I didn't read the script before it came out, but like the one for Bandersnatch, if you guys have heard of that. Oh, I I've heard I of it. I have to watch yeah. it.
2: Can't wait to see yeah. it.
0: The one, the, the one that's kind of like set in the Black Mirror um, universe. Um, universe, and you know, um, I was reading stars that Charlie Charlie Brooker, I think she spent like years trying to make the script just because like she had to uh, she had to create all these branching storylines because the way that the show yeah. is I guess, your own, like, played yeah. is like choose your own adventure. Yeah. So like. You know you make one decision, it can go this way, but like you go back and play it again, and it's just doing that so like if you ever look up the chart it 's this branching and mm-hmm. I thought that was just a very unique take on writing and it 's almost similar to video games and um that's that that interested me a lot
2: but have you guys ever read anything where you went this this idea you know the premise alone, not the take on the genre but the actual premise this is a movie i, I maybe that 's more of. For you, Holly, because you do more features, I believe.
3: Yeah, we do. We have a. We're able to flag concepts mm-hmm. in our coverage, and, and we can hand something in with something that says, No, see comment. And mm-hmm. we might not be recommending the script, but then we're explaining there's a kernel of a great idea here mm-hmm. that might be worth developing. Interesting. Um, so I'll have to think for a moment of uh, other, other examples of that, but we're always on the lookout for that. Uh, I think, you know, where you can be. Clever and interesting and not imitative is is key.
2: You know, it's 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 so it's kind of interesting for me to have this discussion because so in my day when I was reading in in the nineties, right, it was Mm -hmm. all about the high concept, all about the high concept, like Mm -hmm. idea alone, you know. And unfortunately, sometimes uh, without enough attention to the storytelling or the execution, (laughs) the writing itself. But if it had like that one liner, you know. They would buy it, you know, throw tons of money at it. Eventually, have to get another writer on it. <laughs> but those um, were the go-go days of the spec market. They really were, but it was all high concept. It doesn't sound like that so much anymore. It sounds like no, it's about voice. It's about takes. It's about uh, characters. Like we we aren't like immediately driven to the theater for the what if anymore. Qu- quite as much is what it sounds yeah. like.
3: Well, I I still think that that's important. I think uh, years ago the Hollywood Reporter did a study of why people go to the movies and uh, they did discover what it's about is the main driver Mm. of of what what you're going to go see on that Friday or Saturday night or Sunday afternoon. So I still think that's important. But what's happened is because of the success of these great writer-driven television series, uh, movie executives, they respond to great writing too. So we read tons of writing samples now that are pilots, uh, that are successful pilots from the TV, you know, realm. And so I think the writing the voice has become more preeminent, and it's sort of like TV folding into film and streaming folding into film because the quality of what's on TV now that we have more choices, there's a lot of great stuff, and that wasn't always the case.
2: And you you just said, Mark, about. Um, you know, Bandersnatch and, and is, that, is that right, Bandersnatch? The, Bandersnatch, yeah. When I say it, it sounds dirty. So <laughs> anyway, so but with that, it is a choose-your-adventure and in, in the fact that it can go in all these different directions. Mm-hmm. So with the technology changing, you know, and so much crass, cross-platform uh, pl- sort of, the, the cross-platform opportunities for just one idea, as you're reading and analyzing, are you also suggesting some of these cross-platform places?
1: Do you mean okay? So this could be a okay. This is a feature.
0: Maybe that could be a show. Right. That might...
2: Right. Or do any of the companies you work for ask you to consider it on two different levels at one time?
0: Um, at first, when I first started with HBO, I was recommending it either way until I realized that I was actually just working for the TV drama department. I didn't realize <laughs> that at first, um, but now I'm really recommending for TV. But like, if I think something works better as a feature. I'll recommend it that way. If I think something works better as a documentary, I will, and I have. I've read books that HBO sent me that I was like, I don't know if this will work as a series or feature because it really doesn't Great have document. like um, a story to it, but it has a theme to it. So um, I recommended one as a documentary. Um, but in terms of like recommending to other mediums, like I mean, VR is becoming huge. I haven't really thought about it in that way yet.
1: Yeah. Um, again, it depends where you who you read for. Um, it's all in the comments. You write it down what you think. Um, they could ignore it. They could. I mean, you know, they could say, "Oh, you know, maybe this guy's right." Um, um, it depends. It, it just again make it good.
2: If it, <laughs> I, I think what people don't realize about about story analysts and coverage is that part of your job with the synopsis section is to put the script in its best light to Mm -hmm. give the the plot points Mm -hmm. so that if the executive says okay well i hear you i i get i get your point of view in the comments but i find something still so compelling about this idea based on the synopsis that you gave i'm still going to read it right the synopsis alone is also a big part of your job, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah,
0: I the way I treat synopsis is I treat it like any other kind, of, like I would treat it as if I'm writing a script. Like it is a writing sample. It should be succinct, it should be descriptive. You're supposed to be getting, you know, the major plot beats uh, from the story mm-hmm. because, you know, like you said, like a, an executive might want to reference back. I get coverages sometimes where they only ask me to do chapter by chapter breakdowns. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's very important.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, when you say emotionally, like you said, emotionally, like what's the story? Don't you find yourself with synopsis sort of weaving in the emotion like, you know, afraid for her life, she, or driven to do this, he, do you add those kind of motivational? Oh, absolutely. Yeah?
3: You want to give the executive the experience as if they were sitting in a theater already and the lights go down and the, they're watching that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it's, you know, you, you, you may not get get made or who knows what, you want to give them that experience. So you want to write in a visceral way. Even if you don't like it, even yeah. if you're going to do a pass, right? A yeah, pass you, yeah, it.
1: you got to do. I read a. There's a bunch of books about reading screenplays, um, like actually working as a reader. And one of them said uh, the art of synopsis, and I love that because it is an art. It's an art. It's mm-hmm. how do I um, and like you? There, okay, for a se- ten-minute or ten-pages um, car ch- chase, you mm-hmm. wouldn't describe it. You would say in about two sentences. There's a you know lengthy card chase and stuff like that, or. Like you have to think of what's the best way, like you said, what is the best way, how do I present this to the executive that he'll be, okay, let's say I recommended a script, he's going to read the comments, and then he's going to read the synopsis, you know, okay, what did this guy why why did he recommend it?" And then he's going to see in the synopsis, okay, this is a new story, this this plot beat is new. Um, this character, you know, this twist, this you have to put it there. It's very important.
2: And for people who are synopsizing their own work. To be, let's say, for a competition, sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to submit a synopsis or you have to do this for a
3: producer, right? Start thinking like a story analyst, you know? You may want to go back to those cards you had on the wall when you wrote it with all of the major beats (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and use those for synopsis.
2: Right, but I think the worst kind of synopsis, whether it's a, a reader doing it or whether it's the writer synopsizing their own stuff, is. This happens, this happens, oh, this yeah. happens. Yeah. Like, without any drive, without it's any motivation, too long. without It'll any emotional. Too long too. Yes, yes. So not, you guys, nobody does a scene by scene, right? You synopsize. You're telling a story. Telling mm-hmm. a story. Yeah. Um, so when you do get to the comments section, okay, um, do you guys have any, do you have sort of a, your own structure for, for the comments? Like, you know, I used to sort of do it like a thesis. You know, like, this is this would work if only <laughs> they, had done, they had not done this particular thing. And then everything would sort of support my, my thesis and then I would <laughs> do a conclusion. It's like, you know, what I learned in, in English class, which we is, all learned. It's very
3: much uh, being a humanities major oriented. <laughs> writing that persuasive essay, what is your thesis about this particular piece of material and then support it mm-hmm. and then tell them what you told them right right and does, does that work for you guys too yeah. is that is yeah. that how I
0: mean, you're something keeping in mind whether we think that that's going to f- for me if it's going to fit within hbo's you know theme of things they're doing and for him like yeah you know if is that going to fit in skydance i, I always
1: try to compare it of course um to other movies or shows or even books or any kind of stories that's similar in that world or if that character is similar and you try to always t- start with the good stuff like okay even if it's atrocious like there's something here, even if it's not. You, you, want, you want to be positive, and then in the middle you kind of give you know,
3: what you think. Daniel makes a great point there, because <laughs> I used to be a development executive, and you're going to get on the phone with that writer's agent, oh, yeah. and yeah, you I have to have something to say. And so if you've got those positive points to start with, mm-hmm. that's going to help your conversation, it's going to help your relationship, and it also mm-hmm. may help you not have that writer be alienated, because even if you're not getting that particular script, they're going to come around again. It's and, true. and so you really want to... Start with the with the good stuff, and and then go from there. Holly makes
0: a the, really good point. Oh, sorry,
3: yeah, okay. Holly
0: makes a really good point because what I kind of do with um, Red Ampersand, which is the company that owns Coverfly and they own Screencraft and they own WeScreenPlay and the Script Lab, and those those companies do a whole bunch of different um, competitions throughout the year. Part of my um, part of my job with them is um, actually doing more kind of like development notes. So you know, yeah, it's very important to tell the writer. What they're doing right and realize that as a reader,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's not really our job to put writers down. It's our job to help writers and help yeah. them develop along.
2: But so. also I think a writer needs to know that you as a reader um, recognize their intention, that they intend to do uh to, to execute this kind of a story mm-hmm. with this kind of genre. And if you show that you get it and then show why how they could get to that intention better, mm-hmm. you're actually giving Notes that are
3: very helpful. Exactly. That's so astute, Laura. It's it's the perfect way to approach a set of notes. What does the writer intend it to be ultimately, and how do you help them realize that vision? Those are the best kind of notes to give. Now, okay, so
2: <laughs> what? Some myths about readers. You know what they are, okay? You said gatekeeper, and everybody's like, "Ooh, you just your job is just to say no." Okay,
1: how, what uh, do you think about that? <laughs> I heard about um. I wouldn't say uh, it's for no it's I also heard that you know readers they're dying for that great script that's true mm-hmm. I, I'll just please give me that script that I can say recommend and two leaves later I'll see it in the you know in the movies and I could say to my, my wife I read that you know it doesn't sound you know so bombastic, but it's 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 great.
0: It's a great feeling,
2: and that's a positive thing. That's not. I'm. <clears throat> it, not, is, I, it is. It is a positive thing. I'm paid thing. to say um, no. That's. I want to say yes.
0: Yeah. Um. I think a lot of. You hear. You you see it on the internet. You hear it in other places that like. Maybe we'll like pass on a script after like two or three pages, but I mean like we're paid to do that. I've never been in a situation where I really can't complete a coverage and just throw it away. Maybe that happens. You at are some so production fired.
2: <laughs> That's what people don't realize. It's like nobody puts down a script after. Yeah, two. no, you're you can't. Not anymore. I don't know. You know, the short, shorthand for story analyst is reader. If you don't read, you're yep. fired. Yeah, and exactly. everybody knows when you faked it. Yeah, yes. Everybody.
3: Exactly. Yep. Yes. Uh. Always get to the end of that script. Uh, the, what you hear is that readers are bitter, disgruntled mm-hmm. writers that didn't make it. <laughs> and I find that is so. At least among the, those I know, nothing could be further from the truth. We all fell in love with the movies, mm-hmm. and it's very exciting when we open the script. We always want to fall in love. We really do start yeah, yeah. with a positive attitude, yes. and we want, as Daniel said, to to have discover that experience and and then enthusiastically recommend that piece of material. Uh, so, and some of my colleagues have, dot, you know, uh, graduate degrees in film. And you know, I was a development executive. I also was a screenwriter and I know what it's like to sell a pitch, to write two drafts, to go into development hell, to go into turnaround, to get material optioned and optioned and optioned and never made. So I'm very empathetic with writers. Yes. And I I just would love to, you know, find that great piece of material and, and send it on its way. I when I It's exciting. It's,
1: I have a kind of weird ritual. It's not a real ritual, but like when I open a script, I, I get to page one and I say to myself Please tell me a story. Oh, nice. How simple is that? Nice. Tell me a good story. and it's not it doesn't usually happen, mm-hmm. but you know we do want you to send us, not you, but you know write as the best you can work in your craft. I will say it again. There's books out there, there's podcasts. I listened to your podcast um, before when I just got here to America, I had a, like a driving job, and I drove like eight, 10 hours a day all day long. It wasn't Uber, but it was with like my Israeli boss who was my landowner. Never mind. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah. Um, and I listen to your podcast a lot. And it's, oh, yeah. I, yeah, And I can't believe I'm here, you know, kind That's of and so kind of. Cool. <laughs> and um, and I, you know, there's so many, especially today, there's so many books. There's so many podcasts. There's so many Internet blogs. There's so many places you can take an hour a day, take two hours a week and work on your craft, you know, just be better just that's all this is like you know say i'm gonna be a writer i'm a writer and work on it that's what i would say I mean, okay so
2: thank you this has been i like all the the positivity so <laughs> for everybody who's listening keep that in mind because i am also going to ask these story analysts about their pet peeves okay? Hmm. You guys have read a lot. How much time do we have? (laughs) So, So, keep in mind, they want it to be good, they respect your intention, and they're going to synopsize to that end. However, they read so much material. So, as writers out there, I'm sure you want to know, what are they tired of?
3: What do they wish you wouldn't do? So, Pet peeves, anybody? Don't be lazy with your character descriptions. Interesting. Oh. Um, I get so many scripts where people put an actor's name in. <laughs> you know, think Brad Pitt. My, I don't want to think Brad Pitt. I yeah. want to think the original <laughs> creation of, you know, maybe this character is based on your dad. How would you describe your dad to a stranger? You mm-hmm. know, put put the character in there in a vivid way so that yes. I immediately have a picture of them. Don't be lazy. Love it.
1: I have it's very specific, but sometimes in the action description they say it is clear that he's afraid or it is clear that it's that but don't tell me it is clear show me it's clear like what's happening on it you know what is countenance what is what, what is, is he space. doing what is she doing what's happening in the scene don't tell me it is clear and i think um, every other writer every one of, out of three writers does that and action description for me is very important because this is how this you know w- with the dialogue this is how the script is being read, you know.
2: And again, that's emotion. Emotion plus emotion. Action.
1: Emotion, like Holly said before, I, I actually, emotion value for me. Like, if I cry in a script, it's a recommend. It doesn't matter what the genre is, doesn't matter what. I, I'm i not a horror fan. I remember reading a script, it was horror, kind of drama horror, but I, I shed a tear, I admit.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I recommended it. It was great. Makes it was sense. just, you know.
3: And if That's I true. laugh, same thing. I, same thing. I can remember a project from 20 years ago that was so darn funny. And I had the writer in to meet with me as an executive because he made me laugh.
1: Mark,
0: great hey, Yeah, please. I think this is applicable to all of us. Like, spelling and grammar... I, I mean, you guys would believe that, like, some scripts I've had to make like 25 notes on like the first two pages about just like grammar and spelling issues. I think it's very important that you get that right, just because like you're sending your script into a professional company, and if you know if you have all these mistakes, it looks unprofessional. It looks like you don't like. Yeah, it doesn't look like you care about your what you just submitted. You know,
2: but but that doesn't mean that the character him or herself, has to speak proper English. It exactly, means yeah. you're talking about the phrasing of things. And the accent description, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yes.
3: And be brief if you can. Get in and get out with your scenes. Yes. Um, ask yourself when you're editing your own scenes uh, on the page, is it necessary? And what are the necessary beats of this scene? Yes. And if they're not, take it out. But also,
2: people are going to lose what is necessary because you've buried it. In all of this, yeah, ramp structure up. is super yeah, important. Yeah, and for it's, me. it's people will, you know, get on a reader and go, "You missed this. You read this too quick." And it's like you buried it. Oh yeah, you just had everything was important to you, like every shade of like the couch or whatever, yeah. and you didn't actually bring out the story point in the scene that that exactly. You wanted to I
0: get um, what gets me too is the thing walls walls mm-hmm. of description and mm-hmm. it's novelistic. Uh, that gets me. Um, I'm a fan of very concise. Um, description. I don't know if you remember when I came in. I just, I just took you outside and I walked out. I was like, "Pilar, like, story to story annals. Would you pass on my script based off the way it looks? Is because like I had my script formatted in the way that Alien and Wally is, and it's kind of like a haiku
2: mm-hmm. type style. But
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a fan. I believe that you can say a lot in a little.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, and yeah. I mean, I think
0: that's the point of script. Yeah, we
2: had so. an interesting discussion about that. Yeah, because what's you know that's actually on the wall. Do you see it right there? Yeah. Okay, from Alien.
0: I did not notice that. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's the uh, the the, the uh, alien ripping out of the stomach scene yeah. is actually on my wall. And I love it because it works down the page in mm-hmm. this sort of haiku way. The only issue, right, is that sometimes you can do it so much that you're actually now you're crowding the side of your page. Yeah, exactly. If you turned it this way, it would be equally yeah. stuffed. Exactly. So that was something that we talked about. Um, but overall, I would give it a recommend. It was a very nice. Page. Uh, I realized that I
0: like <laughs> sat you down and didn't tell you anything about the script I was writing. either. That was I was just fine. like Here, look.
2: <laughs> I, as a as you know, script geek to script geek, I love that stuff. You know, and that's another thing to know about readers is they actually like analyzing script. They like what they do. They like yes. their job. They're yeah. not trying to get another job from it. They just like it. You know, exactly. it's fun. In a really weird dorky kind of way. Well, we're movie geeks.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I watch a movie and I say, "Okay, how would I synopsize that scene or that sequence? Well, that's okay. that the third act? You can't stop. It's like even when you're trying to relax and you know and watch a movie and is, you're thinking, "Is this the midpoint?" I mean, wait, wait, and then you sometimes actually take notes too because it's it's develop it helps you develop as a reader, if you're a writer, it's,
2: you know. I do that all the time. I'll be watching <laughs> something with my husband. I'll be like, "Stop you know and then i'll write down the time code yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's just like yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah my friends hate me they think that i'm a film snob because i'll sit there and i'll, I'll talk about what didn't, didn't work with like the yeah. script of their favorite movie and they're like Mark, go away or like i remember sitting down with my dad and breaking down dunkirk with him because he didn't understand it so oh wow yeah. it's a it's a good mo- i like that movie yeah i yeah, love too.
2: dunkirk that was great. Yeah he, yeah, he got
0: confused with like the different timers. I, I was like, okay, yeah. Here's, well, that's how this Christopher works Nolan. Works makes Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. But that was distinctive to Christopher Nolan all the way back in Memento, and and that's why he ended up getting taken in to do the the Dark Knight Dark trilogy Night. because it was like, let's. This is a guy who had an independent movie that was different, and and it wasn't just that it was non non linear, um, but it was really a fascinating way to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And clearly he had a unique storytelling vision and style.
0: That was such a good twist on the war genre too, because it it was totally different in tone from what you saw with Hacksaw Ridge last, or I guess it was last year or two years ago, I was and then Saving 20-16? Private Ryan was the big spectacles of war, <clears throat> and then Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk was really just about the fear of being
2: in that situation, putting
3: you in as much as a movie can. It was like it was like the first twenty minutes of Saving Private Ryan, Ryan for an entire movie. Yeah. You
2: know, if so, I was on a plane and it was a long plane ride. I can't remember where I was coming from, but um, I watched that and the Churchill mo- movie. Uh, back to Darkest back. Hour. Right. So if you watch Darkest Hour and then you watch Dunkirk, you have educated yourself. Yeah, yeah, completely. About <laughs> and that's another <laughs> reason why I, I, reason yeah.
1: why I right. love movies. I am a big history buff. I love reading history books, nonfiction books. and I. But for me, the best, you know, I love watching a movie and learning something. I know it's not accurate because it couldn't be. You have to. Some people complain when there's, you know, historical fiction coming to movies and then they... See, Oh, but it didn't happen in that year. And it's like, well, you, you know, sometimes for drama, Crazy you need voices. to be a dramatist. You know? Poetic
3: truth is what you're serving <clears throat> yeah. and, and theme. So it's, it, you're going to have to make some changes just okay. as you, you would have with any to. adaptation. But you make a good point about getting educated. I think too many uh, screenwriters today have not seen enough classic film. And I know I'm going to sound like the old fogey here. No, oh, you know, right, right. Old film school movies like The Godfather and Lawrence of Arabia, but and Butch Cassidy. You got to see these movies.
1: It's there. It's all there.
2: But you know what? Yeah. You know, and this is this is really going to get you, Holly. But but also. There are movies that are now classic movies that were popular movies, you sure, know when sure. you know, and those are also classic movies. They like are. you mentioned, Groundhog Day, I consider that a classic, classic movie, a classic. and that was, the was a early Great perfect film. Right? Yes, yeah. So, so when we're talking about classic movies, we're not always just talking about something that feels like homework. It's just a wonderful genre film. What, mm-hmm. What's a favorite? Uh, what's your favorite movie, Mark?
0: Oh man, that's hard. I can name my favorite shows, but when I get asked, it's it is hard. And it's, it's such hard. a hard question. Um. Oh my goodness.
2: It's I okay. I don't mean to put you on spot. So, what's a favorite show? How about um, that?
0: I know a lot of people will disagree with this, but Lost.
2: I love Lost, and
0: I love Lost. I would
2: p- disagree with you except for that last lame? <laughs> except for
0: the last scene and I know I get, Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, I fell in love with Lost, and that was one of the reasons that I really wanted to get involved with writing. Um, was just because I fell in love with the characters over the season. It wasn't the crazy plot that went every which way, but it was the characters that I, you know, that I empathize with and.
2: What's your favorite movie um, or TV show? I'll give you
0: favorite movie, but not script. Mm-hmm. I love Gladiator for
1: some reason. I don't know why. I sure. just love that. I know it's like a good movie, not maybe no, conservative. A, it, it, I
2: people just people refer to it all the time, and they're constantly ripping it off. Seen it twenty it times. That's mm-hmm. how you know it's but good. But
1: script wise, I have a few. It's The King's Speech, Middle mm-hmm. Little, Little Miss Sunshine, and recently, last week, I saw In Bruges. And I think it's nearly, I think it's perfect. It's a perfect script.
2: It's great. I show a scene from it in class, actually. I love it. That's a
1: script to take for if you're a writer. It doesn't matter what you want to write. If it's, uh, you know, comedy, drama, crime, thriller, take that script, read it, read it again, and then learn how, because everything in there from dialogue to every little setup and payoff, it just works. It's just Amazing movie.
3: So, Holly, what about you? Well, I would say script-wise, Groundhog Day is definitely yes. one of my all-time yes. favorites. And there's a terrific book that Danny Rubin has written about the writing of Groundhog Day uh, that you can, that you What's can read. What's the name of the uh, book? Uh, the, how to Write Groundhog Day. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let's get right to uh, the point. I <laughs> but uh, I actually, uh, I love uh, such a range of films from Casablanca, which truly, I've read the screenplay many times, uh, it is still one of the all-time great films because of the heroes journey, the reluctant hero in that and great relationships. And, and by the way many of the plot points in that were things that the writers just made up letters of transit is the MacGuffin in that movie, mm-hmm. if you know what a MacGuffin is mm-hmm. and they, don't, they didn't really exist but the writers invented it and they be- become a huge part of the, of the story but you know, more recently, I mean Black Klansman to me this year is an incredibly original piece of work and changes tone and manages to be comedy, drama socially relevant Social. and ends on an absolutely gut punch back yeah. to reality I, the, the, kind of the
1: theater was, was silent
3: and uses classic films like birth of a nation which is a, a horrible classic many respects but everyone should see it and and also gone with the wind uh, so it, it really uh, brought classic film in in a way spike is a great student of classic film but it also told a very relevant to today's story in a contemporary style and then also sort of Paid tribute to the movies of the '70s, which had a very different, more indie feel to them, I think, um, than mainstream studio movies have today. So uh, that's a, like a wide range, and, you know. But there's such great work. Incredibles in animation, there's great writing. Mm-hmm. There really Incredibles is. Incredibles too, and uh, inside in, in the Spider Verse. Yeah. Uh, I need to see, see that. Incredible. I heard from everyone
1: that it's just amazing. Amazing. That's
3: what I heard. So I we, we're living it. at it in a really golden age of both film and yeah. TV,
2: I think. That's right. If you never want to do anything with your entire life, you could just park yourself in front of a TV, watch movies and, and shows and, and TV forever. And just yep. like, you know, yep, good, good on you. You know, enjoy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and reading, too, because I'm sure all because we're readers, I'm sure you enjoy you guys enjoy reading books, too. So there's just too much content. And going, going our...
3: to the theater. I think live theater is huge and people need to support it. And there's some great writing happening in the theater right now. Uh, so if you get an opportunity, go. In, here in L.A., we've got theater that is in, in some ways a, as good as what, what is in New York and in London, and a lot of those same plays come here or start here, um, and some great writers are coming out of that as well.
0: Aaron Sorkin has a new stage play. That... He's
3: got an adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird yeah. that's on has Broadway that on now. Yet? Yeah, it's with Jeff Daniels. And uh, and uh, Lynn Nottage's Sweat was an incredible piece of work. She went to Reading, Pennsylvania, interviewed people, and wrote a, a play about economic disenfranchisement uh and that whole class of people that are feeling left out and uh it was just tremendous visceral piece of theater to watch and she's a terrific writer
2: Excellent, excellent recommendations, you guys. Thank you so much for your advice and your conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I, really so valuable. I appreciate it. If people want to continue this discussion with you or just say, a boy, um, or <laughs> a girl. Um, are you guys on Twitter, Instagram?
1: To be honest, I'm only on LinkedIn and Facebook. I had a Twitter, but... Um, I'm t- Yeah, I okay. can reactivate my Twitter, nah, I guess. That's, <laughs> yeah. all, right.
2: that's yeah. all right. Look, Twitter and, and, I mean, sorry, uh, Instagram and Facebook are just fine. Is it under... It's Daniel, under my name. Daniel Livnat. Yeah, L-I-V-N-A-T. Daniel Livnat. And then, Mark, what about you?
0: Um, I'm on Instagram, the Mark Angelo. I'm posting fan pictures of myself all the time, so you see those. And then I'm on LinkedIn far too much, just under my normal name.
2: So, you know what? You have to, like... I'm on LinkedIn but I don't do anything on it. You know, people are like, you wanna link with me? I'm like, Yeah, I don't know, whatever. At, so you have to like show me how like uh, to do the oh, best yeah, yeah. stuff. How
1: have like a good advice. How for LinkedIn is a great tool. It's also a social media platform. It's, it started, but it's a great tool for writers, readers, everyone. And if you're a writer, it's a great tool. Invest in that. Invest in your profile, invest in your resume because it's a resume. It's an online. Resume. I agree. That's kind of uh, how, I'm how on LinkedIn to it. as
3: well. And also, uh, I've learned recently that if you're looking for work, um, reload uh, every Sunday night because then your profile will come to the top in, in oh, the listings when you apply for enough. jobs. Sweet. Good. Uh, <laughs> very, very valuable advice. No, I'm not looking, but I, I know people that are. Well, yeah, now <clears> people are <throat> going to get a job because of you. Okay. <laughs> oh, so.
2: so I want to remind everybody to go to onthepage.tv to check out the in-person classes and writing marathons here at the studio, the recorded classes, a bunch of episodes of the podcast that you might not have heard, and the Patreon page where you can support the show to receive goodies. Of course, I wrote down people I needed to thank, but... It's on another desk somewhere in the studio, so I'm just going to have to wait till the next podcast to thank everybody. We've just had some recent uh, Patreon supporters, and I do appreciate it. Um, I want to remind everybody to come to class, though. If you're in Los Angeles, come to the two-day rewrite class. That is the end of March. Um, Also, um, Carol Kirshner is going to be guest speaker on the one-day TV class, which is March 3rd from... Uh, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And it's a Sunday, and I would love to see you there. Um, so thanks again. Thank you again to our wonderful our guests, pleasure. Mark Chandley, Holly Sklar, Daniel Livnot. You guys, awesome, you're awesome. <laughs> you rock. And also thanks to all of you for listening. Have a good writing week.